you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Tuesday, April 18th, and you're listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of today's special guest for whom I didn't write an intro. He is the co-host of NFL Total Access, the broadcast. He is the co-host of the NFL Explained podcast. He has become a dear and trusted friend. He is the sweet potato kid. Mike Yam, welcome back to the pod. We're not really talking football on today's podcast, are we? Well, we're a little bit. Okay, because right off the bat, we're going to go inside baseball. Number one, I still have to look at my phone every single time I do that open <laughs> to get the day of the week and the date in order to execute that. And then the other thing is, Levy, you do the best job of any host I've ever been around hyping up your guests. And I'm okay with not a formal intro. Your story right before we went on air, all-timer, <laughs> and believe me, I am ready for this podcast. You're not getting the story. It is not safe for podcasts. I am your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. And on today's show, well, for starters, we have proper audio. Yesterday, I was on last minute, unexpected daddy. Detail. Oh, it happens. Did you know that, Yammer? It happens. Uh, which I adore, of course. Oh. Uh, but listening back last night, it did sound like I was trapped. I would never in a come to work if I were you. In old Istanbul. Uh, to be clear, I wasn't trapped in a phone oh. booth in old Istanbul. You, you think my kid's cute. You, You're, you have literally, like, and I, you probably people tell you this, <laughs> and people say this about every one of their friends' kids. Legitimately, though, you have like a top five cutest kid I've ever seen in my entire I really life. I really appreciate that. I would never come to work if I were you. I would never. I I never want to come to work, um, but I will say this. The first day that I came back to work after the rather generous and glorious paternity leave afforded us here at NFL Network, which, uh, for which I am so grateful, I cried like a little kid on his first day oh, yeah. going to school yeah. when I left the house that day and I kind of put up a good face for my wife and she was there with Henry and, and I kind of, she's like, are you okay? She could see it in my eyes. I was starting to bubble. I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I turned around by the time I hit the hallway, I was bubbling, bro. Yeah. I did not want to come to work. I did not want to leave little man. I'm getting used to it. All right. He's no. not perfect. He's not the angel he appears to be. Uh, on today's show, <laughs> Well, actually, yes. Well, so yesterday with the, the bad sound, I wasn't in a phone booth in Istanbul. I was on the couch with Henry on my lap uh, with Bluey on a loop on the television, muted, of course. Is that bad parenting? Yeah, quite possibly. Don't tell Grace. It's how we were all parented, so it's okay. Today, it's not about me. It's about Josh Allen and Bryce Young and special guest Matthew Judon's hot takes uh. on those guys. Today, it's about Hendon Hooker and Mike Yam's take on the quarterback prospect being linked to his Giants. And today, it is about DeMar Hamlin, whose remarkable comeback continues to astonish, maybe never more so than today. And you know what? Let's begin right there. This event was life-changing, but it's not the end of my story. So I'm here to announce that I plan on making a comeback to the NFL. My heart is still in it, you know, my heart is still in the game. Uh, I love the game. Um, it, it's something I want to prove to myself, not nobody else, you know. Uh, it's just, I just want to show people that, that fear is a choice, um, that 
you know, you can keep going in something without having the answers and without knowing what's at the end of the tunnel. Or, you know, you might, you might feel anxious. You might feel any type of way, you know, but you just keep putting that right foot in front of the left one and you keep going. I want to stand for that. That, of course, is Damar Hamlin announcing his intention to return to the NFL in his first press conference since that January 2nd game in Cincinnati. Now, Mike, you heard the context here, and I want to provide it to the listener before we chat about this. Doctors revealed that the cause of Hamlin's cardiac event was an extremely rare consequence of blunt force trauma to the heart that happens at exactly the wrong time in the heart rhythm causing the heart to stop beating effectively. It's called commotio cordis, which Dr. William Knight IV of the University of Cincinnati Medical Center described as a diagnosis of exclusion, which means that more common, deadly, or fixable conditions have to be ruled out first before the commotio cordis diagnosis is given. Now, Hamlin cited commotio cordis as being the leading cause of death in youth athletes across all sports and said, quote, that's something I personally will be taking a step in to make a change. For the 25-year-old safety who has been cleared by multiple specialists, let's be clear about that, returning to the field, he says, is something that he wants to do for himself. The Bills begin their voluntary off-season program on Monday. Mike Yam, this story went from shocking and heartbreaking to hopeful, and now it is, it is simply miraculous. It is astonishing. I am so impressed with him, with his comeback physically, but also with what we hear from this young man. He's so intentional about every decision, and I have no reason to believe that this decision isn't perhaps the most intentional decision he's ever made in his life. Yeah, I think it's going to be really hard for most of us to understand the thought process behind what DeMar Hamlin is saying, which is, hey, I want to play in the NFL again. Part of that press conference, we didn't hear it in that soundbite. He had said, I literally died on the football field in front of millions of people, right? Like we all witnessed it. I can't help but think every time I hear DeMar Hamlin's name, thinking about Monday night, coming out of work from here, going home, putting the game on, going, why is the game not on? And then for days, just waiting for any sort of positive sign, what's the news? Collectively, there are some stories, and my God, I feel like I'm in rinse and repeat in in what I said the last time I was on this podcast. It was countdown, the Saints were, were the team, and we were talking about these iconic moments, and I said, hey, there are certain sports stories that transcend sports, and yet are able to bring people together. Hurricane Katrina is the last time I was on this podcast, we talked about it. And then Damar Hamlin, it wasn't an NFL story. This was a story that captivated um, collectively our entire country because everyone just wanted to hear good news. And as the good news trickled, there was a sense of relief that we all had knowing, hey, he's awake, he's alert, he's responding. Did we win the football game? All of these moments yes, that we yes. got as fans, we sit there and say, oh my God, this is amazing to see him at NFL honors. What an inspiration. And now to go, yo, this dude might be back on a football field. Just one of those stories that is one of the truly most remarkable things that we have seen in sports. He pointed to camaraderie in the sport of football, the unity that is created amongst teammates as one of the things that he misses the most, one of the things that he is most excited to get back to. But he also went on to say with specific 
reference to his condition and what he has been through. He said, I feel like that's a direct correlation of what happened to me that night. You know, just bringing people together in yeah. prayer, love. That's what this sport does as well. So my heart is in it completely. And it takes a lot to be great in this game. I've got a long way to go. I got a long journey to go, but I'm committed to it each day, day in, day out. Hey, Damar Hamlin, one day at a time, young man. We are so happy for you. We are so proud of you. And we back your decision. You want to do this? Well, then every single one of us, no matter what colors we rock, no matter what jersey we rep, we are in this with you and for you. Congratulations, young man. The best is yet to come. Next topic, same team. Josh Allen admits he'll have to change the way he plays quarterback. Mike M., you heard what he had to say earlier today. Let's play this for the listener. I find this fascinating. Josh Allen, the mic is yours. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm getting older. You know, it's like I can't, I can't continue to do this. I know when I'm using my youth, I, I feel like I can. Um, but over the course of my career, I'm going to have to learn to adapt and change. And, you know, I've always had the mindset of, of I've been a football player first and a quarterback second. And at some point, that's going to have to switch. Um, when that point is, I don't know. I guess I'll let my, my body tell me. But um, I do want to be, like I said, I want to be the smartest quarterback with the football in my hands. I don't want to put the ball in harm's way um, because I know how detrimental that is for our team. Okay, Mikey, and you heard what Josh Allen had to say, that he will have to change the way he plays quarterback. Now, he didn't say that he's going to change the way he plays quarterback right now, but very important to distinguish between playing the position like a football player versus playing the position like a quarterback, which seems to imply a greater sense of responsibility and leadership. And of course, he specifically talked about ball security and control. Um, what's your take on what you heard from Josh Allen today? So much to unpack on a comment like that, because I can't help but think of one of our colleagues, Michael Robinson, who's been on this podcast numerous times, who has been screaming to the rooftops on Total Access about a subtle change that needs to take place in Josh Allen's game. And M-Rob is as big a fan as Josh Allen as there is, the leader of Bill's Mafia, the self-proclaimed leader of Bill's Mafia. But he's right because Josh references some of those interceptions and those costly turnovers that we've seen. And for as much as he wants to take the responsibility for it, you know, at the end of the day, it's him trying to make plays for his football team. So you take the good with the bad sometimes, and sometimes those are, are those interceptions and those turnovers. But to me, it's going to be fascinating. Where do the Bills go in the draft, for example, to make sure that Josh Allen can do the things that he's talking about? Is it another wide receiver? Is it another skill position player that can help offset Josh Allen legitimately having to play the role of superhero so many times they hit the field? And... I, I think it's fascinating. Now, the one thing that I will say is if he decides to not be the Josh Allen that he is right now, how much of an alert is that for the rest of the division, the rest of the NFL? You know, are, is that something that they want to go and see? Because it's been working. Now, I know they haven't gotten to a Super Bowl and they haven't gotten over the hump, but if I said to you, name me the, the four or five teams you feel confident in that can make a deep run in the postseason, can possibly get to a Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, well, right now, the Buffalo Bills are on that list, namely because of the play of Josh Allen. There were only three teams in the NFL who at any point during the season were both top five in defense and in offense. The Philadelphia Eagles, the San yep. Francisco 49ers, and the Buffalo Bills, who we credited with being 
if not amongst these, maybe the most balanced team sure. in the NFL. Let's remind the listener what the Buffalo Bills did last year. They were 13-3. and three. Yes, that adds up to 16. Don't forget, the DeMar Hamlin game, as we know it now, was ultimately canceled. But they finished the regular season on the backs of a seven-game winning streak. And yes, they were revealed a little bit, a lot, you might say, in that game, that playoff loss to the Bengals. But to your point, this is a thing that is working uh, by most metrics for the Buffalo Bills. And I found it very interesting, I know you did too, that earlier today, when our special guest on TA broadcasts, Matthew Judon, of course the linebacker, but really an edge rusher for the AFC East division rival New England Patriots, when he heard what Josh Allen had to say, do you know what he had to say, listener? He said, are you kidding me? Bring it on. Matthew Judon is all in. He is bullish on Josh Allen changing the way he plays. In fact, this is what Matthew Judon had to say on TA The Broadcast today. I think every quarterback does it. The least amount of hits you get, the longer you can play. But I'm not. I'm fine with him not running. Like <laughs> I don't think Josh Allen should ever run. I think if it's if it's open for lanes and all that stuff, don't run. Like I'm, I'm more happy with you standing in the pocket and sure. trying to let me sack you than him running. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Next topic, odds. Bryce Young officially the odds maker's heavy favorite to be the number one overall pick. But Matthew Judon, he of the 62 and a half career sacks, is at odds with that, saying C.J. Stroud is actually the tougher challenge for an NFL defense to face. And here's why. You know, sometimes when you you can't get there on a the rush, you uh bull and get your hands up and come down with some batted balls and some knockdowns. And that's that's the thing. Smaller quarterbacks change their arm angles more to get those one or two step uh step passes off and those quick passes. And sometimes they get batted. And you see a lot of uh, guys come up with tip balls and picks from the line of scrimmage because you got a smaller quarterback in there. Not surprised Bryce Young is the favorite to be number one. And if you said to me, hey, it's C.J. Stroud, I'd say not surprised C.J. Stroud is going to be the favorite to be the number one overall pick. This has been a two-man race to win that battle to be the top pick. And at the end of the day, it might not matter. What's the best fit for you? And if it's C.J. Stroud going to, which, by the way, I think it's fascinating that there's more reports about the Texans not taking a quarterback at two, which to me screams, hey, maybe there's something that we don't know as a fan 
that NFL teams do that Carolina's going, you know what? It's probably Bryce Young, right? Like that's context clues indicate that it's Young. And the fact that Houston might not take C.J. Stroud. Maybe it's not as close as we all have thought it was this entire time. But, you know, to, to Judon's point, you know, Matthew had said, hey, it's easier to bat down passes. Th- this has been, this is not going to change for Bryce Young. He will tie Kyler Murray as the shortest quarterback in the NFL. Russell Wilson is there. We could talk about Drew Brees. And I get it. I, I am not the biggest fan in an argument saying point to the outliers and make it sound like that is the norm. The reality is it is not the norm to have a dude that's basically 5'10 as an NFL starting quarterback. I get that. Now, it doesn't mean that he can't be successful. The guy has been an absolute technician there. And I'll say this, and, and Judon knows, but we had some other guys who've also played the game that have been on total access. They like Bryce Young. And the question is less to do about their his height and more to do about his build. M. Rob had said this before. Hey, I'm just worried about this guy taking hits when he's out there. Daniel Jeremiah, who's had Bryce Young as the number one quarterback this entire process and has not wavered, I asked him off air about that. And he said, look, the one thing I'll tell you about Bryce is when he's in space, he understands how to take some of those hits. And he and didn't actually take a ton of hits when he was in college, which I thought was fascinating. I brought that up to M. Rob and M. Rob goes, look, there, there are dudes who play certain positions running back. Because my example to, to Michael was, Hey man, if I'm a slot wide receiver, I might not even be 5'10. Like I that might be, I might be a, a smidge smaller than that. How come you're less concerned about that dude at that size getting blown up? And his response was the wide receiver, the running back, the tight end, all of those guys who play those positions are used to taking those hits with the ball in their hands. And he said, I know it's a subtle distinction, but when you play quarterback, your instinct is not necessarily the contact right away like it is a wide receiver and a running back. So he felt it was different. Um, Look, there's a lot of different ways to analyze this stuff. And at the end of the day, I do think Bryce Young is going to have a successful NFL career. Next topic, Daniel Jones back, as in does New York's number eight need to watch his back. Giants have met with Tennessee quarterback prospect Hendon Hooker, and that feels significant because Hooker is the only quarterback prospect the Giants have met with during this entire pre-draft process. Mikey M., this is your team. Where does your mind go at the news of this G-Men and Hooker summit? I'll smile and say I like it but I like it in the long term. I'm not... Look, the Giants won a road playoff game this past season. I get that they've now invested in Daniel Jones being the guy. There's not a ton of depth right now in that quarterback room. So I do like the idea of getting a potential gem in Hendon Hooker, who, by the way, if he's not coming off that ACL injury... I don't know if we're not talking about him as the third quarterback or maybe the fourth quarterback. I I think there's a different way to look at it with Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Hooker could be could have the upside better than 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 those dudes. Maybe not Anthony Richardson, but at the end of the day, he also might be the most ready quarterback. His age is part of that reason. He's 25 years old. There's this different sense of maturity that he brings to the table. The biggest question that I have is, system-wise, where did he thrive? It was an air raid system. I think Brian Dayball is looking at this going, you know what? I got a dude who can do some things that maybe Daniel Jones can't do. I like it from a Giants perspective in the long term, especially if you take him, you get that fifth year in that first round if you go and draft him. So controlling that player's rights for that extra season, to me, there's a lot of value there. But once again, the Giants won a road playoff game. I don't think they're that far off here. I'd love to see them just add either depth in the secondary or another wide receiver to try to get some of those explosive plays, even though Darren Waller now is in that offense. So I still net out at I like Hooker, but 
I don't know if I would necessarily have the cojones to go and pull the trigger on a quarterback after I just gave Daniel Jones a huge deal. Yeah, I, it sends a it sends a message to Daniel Jones that potentially it's not worth taking the risk to send. However, we have heard our good friend and colleague Brian Baldinger talk glowingly about the merits of Hendon Hooker. Yeah. He has said that in his estimation, again, we always bring up if it weren't for the ACL, that's the clause often attached to Hendon Hooker. But Brian Baldinger seems to believe, as you are suggesting yourself, that if it weren't for the ACL and for the fact that he is a little bit older than most quarterback prospects coming out of college, I think he's 25 yeah. at this point, and you start to do the math on, well, that means his first contract, his second contract, you start to do the math on that, that becomes a little daunting for front offices. It becomes a little daunting for fan bases, but purely on skill set, Brian Baldinger seems to think he's the best quarterback in the draft. Whether you like him in Giants blue or not, do you conceive of a possibility that Hendon Hooker proves to be the steal of the 2023 NFL draft? Look, I think there's going to be five quarterbacks taken in the first round, which means Hooker would get drafted there. There's no question that he has the potential to be just as good, if not better, than the rest of the class. So, you know, the hype train around Anthony Richardson is going to be hard to live up to. So if you said to me, hey, you know, if you're going to put money on it, who, who's that steal in that draft? Hooker would be on the short list, no question. I, You can definitely make that case. Here's the other thing. You know, part of the reason why the Giants gave Daniel Jones the big contract is he doesn't turn the football over. Hooker basically starts 13 games, if I'm not mistaken. I can actually look at a number here in a second. But the reality is he only starts, oh, excuse me, 11 starts because of the ACL injury. He had two picks in an air raid offense. Now, I know, in generally speaking, the air raid, the quick reads, and, and those releases, you can get lower interception numbers. But to me, that's still telling throwing that many times in so many tighter windows in the SEC to only have the two interceptions, I, I think that is a big sign for success on Sundays. And I think that the operative words or letters, rather, that you just uh, delivered, S-E-C. Yeah. He's doing this in the best conference in football. 11 games, two picks. That does feel significant. Now, keep in mind, a lot of people call Will Levis a project. A lot of people call... Anthony Richardson, a project. Yeah. Some people call C.J. Stroud the ultimate prospect, and a lot of people are looking at Bryce Young as the Sunday-ready pro. The pro word with regards to Hendon Hooker is really prognosis because even at the Tennessee Pro Day, he kind of came off his crutches and threw a little bit just to show his throwing motion, but this is a guy who cannot step into throws yet. He is still rehabbing. He's not on the field. He is not playing. He's not planting. He is not testing that knee. So this is a long play for whoever takes a chance on Hendon Hooker, but man, we certainly wish him well, yeah. and, and we're fascinated to hear when we hear the name Hendon Hooker on April 27th. Draft day number one, that's a Thursday, 2023 NFL Draft presented by Verizon, NFL Network, and NFL Plus. Make NFL Network and NFL Plus your headquarters for the draft. That's enough on that. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. 
and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Yagosh, let's hear that clock. Thank you very much. Andrew Levy here with Mikey M. on a day in which the countdown to the draft really doubles as a countdown to the Super Bowl because today we land at the site of Super Bowl 58, Las Vegas, Nevada, for a closer look at the Raiders. What does history say about the Raiders? Well, their origin story begins in 1960. That makes 64 seasons in all. This is a winning NFL franchise. Overall record, 497 wins. 458 losses, 11 ties. That's a 520 winning percentage, 14th best in NFL history. Super Bowls, they've been to five. Super Bowl wins, that's three. Their playoff record, 25 wins, 20 losses. But keep in mind, this is a team that has not won a playoff game since the 2002 season. Starting quarterback that year, Rich Gannon. Winningest coach, who else? John Madden, 103 wins, 32 losses, 7 ties. Listen to that. 103, 32, and 7. That's extraordinary. This is a team without any retired jerseys. And how Raiders is that? This is team over individual. Every season, every year, for their whole lives. But they do have no fewer than 30 members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Way too many to name check. Look it up. That is a who's who of NFL football. Okay, that's what they've been. What are they now? Well, recent history says that they were a top half offense. In 2022, their total offense ranked 12th in the NFL, 12th in scoring, 17th in rushing, tied for 11th in passing. A top half unit, but they were 26th in the red zone. Where it mattered most, they simply weren't efficient enough. They were tied for eighth in big plays and eighth in the NFL in yards per play. They had the ability to hit you and hurt you fast. On the other side of the ball, not a lot to shout about, except shouts of anger and despair. Their total defense ranked 28th in the NFL, 29th against the pass, 30th in the NFL at generating sacks, 32nd in the NFL, dead last at generating turnovers, and they were 30th in defense in the red zone. Every single one of those stats has to change if this team wants to be relevant and competitive again. And yes, we fully expect all of those to be focuses of intention in the draft. The Raiders have a lot of draft capital to work with. They have 12 picks in the 2023 NFL draft that is tied for the most in this draft with the Texans. They have the seventh overall pick in the first round. They have a pick in the second round. They have two in the third, one in the fourth, three in the fifth, two in the sixth, and two in the seventh. The Raiders. Now, everybody has a version of the Raiders. Chris Berman's, of course, incomparable. Uh, let's hear yours. <laughs> you can't put me on the spot I, like I, that. I can't do it without coughing, but I, I promise <laughs> to give you mine here in a second. You go first. Uh can I on, give me yours and then I'll give okay, you mine. Okay, hold on. <clears throat> I'll need to clear my throat so I don't choke. <clears throat> the Raiders. Okay, I can't top that. Maybe yeah, I should have sure gone. Can. It was terrible. No, 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 that's still you. You, you go on that lower the registry. Raiders. Hold on. No, that sounds like more can. No, no, no. I, I honestly, uh, on the spot, I'm just not as. Yeah, I don't. 
I can't even give you a good one that's as good as that one. Okay, here's what I can tell you, listener. You cannot go to an NFL stadium and watch any game against any two opponents without at some point during that game, no whether the Raiders are playing or not, hearing somebody in the stands saying, Raiders! Raiders! That's the call that you hear in NFL stadiums is, Raiders, and you hear it everywhere you go. They're crazy. They are crazy in, in, the, in the best, best way. possible way. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was covering a game in Arizona, and I leave the hotel. I couldn't believe, like, these are real human beings walking out of the hotel. The the attire was crazy. Uh, Raiders Nation, man, is no joke. They are no joke. It's an all-in kind of thing, Raiders oh, yeah. fandom. Mikey, and when I say Raiders, where does your mind go? Uh, let's help out this team's defense. Uh, I can't get over the amount of mocks that don't have the Raiders taking a defensive player. It is mind-boggling to me that we would even consider an offensive player to to Vegas with that first pick. Now, I was doing some of the numbers here. 28th in total defense, 29th in passing yards, allowed 30th in sacks and dead last in turnovers forced. What? And you expect to compete? I don't know how that is actually humanly possible, which, by the way, also screams Derek Carr had success with this team with some of these numbers. That's scary to me. The only real addition that they've made to this defense is Marcus Epps, the kid out of Philadelphia who had some success, who was actually on uh, total access a couple weeks back. That'll help out this team's secondary. But if a Will Anderson somehow falls, if Tyree Wilson, who's going to, by the way, going to be on total access on Wednesday on, on our show, if he's there, this is a no-brainer pick. And if they want some help at corner, Witherspoon, Gonzalez, there are some really talented options for the Raiders to go and help a defense that is in desperate need. Do you have a favorite ever Raider in history? Yeah, MJD. I like your style. Yeah, only because MJD reminds you that I need to... <laughs> Anytime I, I think M, like MJD like flaunts the Rams ring, he's like, yeah, I was in the booth. This counts. And I have, I have the ring. You know what? You're right. You're definitely right about that. So, uh, and I do know this and I said, are you sure? And he swears. Cause I've been now to Vegas a couple times for the East West Shrine Bowl. MJD swears that he's got like a little like nameplate outside the stadium. I have yet to find it. So maybe, maybe he is. Can I, I'll dig a little deeper here. He's not identified because he's identified as well, a Well, that's niner. why I said interesting, because he certainly is identified more as a Jag than he is as a uh, Raider. You know what I find fascinating? When I went to Allegiant for the first time, and I took a picture because I, I got to be buds and I used to work with Ronnie Lott. You know, Ronnie's a Niner. Like, no doubt. They they flaunt, like, pictures of Ronnie there, which I think is not for nothing, like, kind of weird. But it also speaks to, like, once a Raider, always a Raider. Once a Raider, always a Raider. I was yeah. literally about to say you took the words from my mouth. Um, okay, Mike Yam, your final contribution to the pod today. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Yeah, 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 of course. Thank man. you. Please finish the following sentence. I wouldn't be surprised if the 2023 Las Vegas Raiders did what? Oh, God. I am inviting hate. I don't want to give you my, my initial answer. Give I know the initial answer. We'll cut it out. No, we won't. Uh, finish last in the division. That is not an atypical response from even Raiders fans as we are about to find out. And on that note, Mike Yam, you are many things. A Raiders fan is not one of them. <laughs> you have just invited the hatred from, from Raiders Nation, and I want to protect you by asking you to leave before we throw open the doors to the NFL Hall of Fans. Cue the music. Fans like production assistant Erica Morris, who is a Raiders fan because of her dad. 
He made the introduction, but she fell in love with Raider Nation and the black hole at the Coliseum in Oakland in 2007. She remembers her very first game. It was December 2nd, 2007. Why does she remember the date so well? Because it just so happens that that was the first time Jamarcus Russell ever played for the silver and black. And yes, listener, a crying emoji follows that sentence. Erica's favorite ever Raiders player is Charles Woodson. Why? Because he embodied everything that a Raider is and everything that a Raider should be. And Woodson's back there to knock it free. Ah, terrific man-for-man coverage from Charles Woodson. Her best memory, the 2021 season opener in Las Vegas versus the Ravens in the brand new Allegiant Stadium. Dad and I made a last-minute trip to Las Vegas, Erica recalls, and went to the game. The Raiders, of course, won that game in overtime, and she remembers that the crowd was electric a close runner up for best ever memory was the day after al davis died it was october 9th 2011 and she remembers there was a spirit that galvanized that team on that day michael huff had a pick in the end zone to preserve a win over the texans on that day and she remembers that it just felt like this is what al davis would have wanted a defensive play to just win baby just win baby <laughs> In the perfect draft for Erica, she says we would get a shutdown corner. And she says, I wouldn't be surprised if my Raiders this season finished last in the division. Fans like Erica's father, Glenn Morris. She mentions him. Well, here he is. Glenn Morris chose the Raiders because of their persona, one of toughness and inclusion. Glenn credits Al Davis for not boxing his players in, for allowing their personalities to shine through. Glenn's favorite ever player, Jack Tatum. His nickname, The Assassin, and that's all you need to know. His best memory, Marcus Allen's touchdown run in Super Bowl 19. Here's Marcus Allen. Putting back up field, and Marcus Allen could be gone. 74 yards for Marcus Allen. Starting to shove this one in the winner's column. And Bo Jackson running over the boss. Glenn Morris says it'll be the perfect draft for my Raiders if we get impact players on defense. But he says, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders did this season exactly what they did last season. Raiders fans like former NFL media production assistant Joe Orozco. says, why am I a Raiders fan? Because it's a family tradition. My father became a Raiders fan when they came to LA back in 1983, and he passed off this fandom to his nephews, my cousins, and he passed it on to me. Despite moving to now two different cities, we still love ourselves some Raiders. His favorite ever Raiders player, Charles Woodson. There's that name checked again. I've always admired his play, Joe says, and his tenacity on defense. Despite him leaving for Green Bay in the mid-2000s, he always had love for the Raiders organization. And that was clear when Woodson decided to return to the Raiders to finish his career when he could have gone anywhere else. And for that, he will always be my favorite Raider. In Joe Orozco's perfect draft, the Raiders select a quarterback for the future. With all due respect to Jimmy G, he says health concerns are real. Draft a quarterback that you believe in 
and that can learn from Jimmy G and take the reins from Jimmy G in an emergency situation. And Joe finishes by saying, I wouldn't be surprised if my Raiders have a slight improvement this season. There we go, a little bit of hope from a Raiders fan. Maybe year two under Josh McDaniels, Joe says, can allow the offensive talent to adapt better and better. And if everything goes right, have an above 500 record. Not necessarily playoff ready, but it might just be a step in the right direction. Fans like editor Josh Yagosh, or as I call him, Yags. Now keep in mind, listener, that Josh Yagosh is actually the editor who is cutting today's podcast. I don't know if this is good casting or bad casting. He may be a little bit too close to the material to think objectively about the task at hand. Yagosh, please pay attention. Stay on target. Josh's favorite ever Raiders player, Rich Gannon. Gannon looks left, nobody open, he can run for the end zone. Here he goes, Gannon into the end zone. Touchdown, Raiders! Which is interesting because Josh admitted he didn't want him. He thought they should have kept Jeff George. He thought of Rich Gannon as a journeyman who had one lucky year. And Josh admits that he was wrong. He said that Rich Gannon taught me that conventional wisdom in both sports and life, if taken as fact, is a path to ignorance. Which just goes to show you, listener, you ask somebody for a sports anecdote and sometimes you get a little bit of a life lesson. Josh went on to name check another Raiders player, Napoleon Kaufman, who he calls Barry Sanders Jr. So much fun to watch, he says, the word electrifying comes to mind. He said, don't forget, Napoleon Kaufman split carries with Tyrone Wheatley, which made Wheatley one of my, wait for it, least favorite Raiders players. Why is Josh Yagosh a Raiders fan? He said, I was gifted a Raiders helmet as a child from before I can remember. It was in my playroom and I wore it all the time. I still have that helmet on display in my living room today. He says, the perfect draft, I don't really care, which I find an interesting comment, but listen to what he says. He says, look, I'm just glad we now have a new quarterback after nine years. I guess if I had to pick, it would be an offensive lineman, a good offensive lineman. Let's take care of Jimmy G. He begins his trip down memory lane with a worst Raider moment. Now, this is a story you have to hear. For the writing alone, Josh, it turns out, is a very good writer, and this is the story he has to tell. It was all the way back on November 30th, 1986. Josh had just turned 12 years old and says, I somehow got free tickets to see the Raiders and the Eagles for what I'm pretty sure was my first ever pro football game. The Raiders were eight and four and their playoff hopes were shining bright while the Eagles were a measly three and nine. The game goes to overtime. After a three and out and a punt in overtime, Jim Plunkett and the Raiders get the ball back on a Bill Pickell sack and fumble and a Howie Long recovery at the Eagles 42. Now, after a bailout penalty on a third down incompletion resulting in a gift first down followed by a negative one yard run and a negative nine yard sack on third and 20, somehow the immobile Jim Plunkett rolls to his right and hits Marcus Allen for a 27-yard gain down to the Eagles' 20-yard line for a first down on third and 20, no less. This is in overtime. Josh remembers turning to his dad and saying, we're going to win. Let's just kick this field goal, and we've got this. A few seconds later, little 12-year-old me, Josh says, realizes that the kicking team isn't coming onto the field. They're going to run another offensive play. 
I turn to my dad in horror and I say, why in the heck don't they kick a field goal? Then they hand the ball off to Marcus Allen for a four-yard gain. Okay, Dad, now they're going to kick a field goal, right? My dad, he says, wasn't much of a sports fan, didn't have much of a reaction. On the very next play, they handed the ball off to Allen again for one of his jumping over the top of the line runs, and he fumbles the ball. Hand off to Allen, he fumbles! Picked up by Waters. Waters at the 15, the 20, the 30, the 40. He might go all the way. Here comes a man after him. He cuts back at the 30. Still chasing him as Doki Williams at the 15, at the 10. He is tackled on the three-yard line of the Los Angeles Raiders. The most astounding turn of fate any dramatist would have ever conceived. The Eagles defender picks up the ball at the 15-yard line and runs it 81 yards down to the Raider four yard line he said i was ready to kill someone then i realized the eagles aren't going to kick a field goal and i was hoping maybe they would suffer the same stupid idiotic result that my raiders had suffered moments before but after two randall cunningham quarterback sneaks the eagles punched it into the end zone for a game-winning touchdown i turned to my dad and i said do you realize i'm 12 years old and i know more about football than either one of those two stupid coaches <laughs> the Raiders ended up missing the playoffs that year, Josh says, and they would have made it had they won that game. Josh was 12. He says, I'm still pissed off about that game. Unbelievable, he puts in shouty caps. Little did I know at that time, but that is called typical effing Raiders. As for his best ever Raiders memory this Two is a classic. Yagosh remembers rolling up to Oakland with the Ventura County Raider Booster Club. This was 2009, week nine, a game against the Bills. Now, Yagosh had a friend on the Ventura County Raider Booster Club who invited him to go to the game. And he said it was like a hundred bucks for a hotel, a ticket, a bus ride, and a tailgate party. Yagosh regaled me with all of the stories of the Clamato and Bud Light and going to Ricky's, the OG Ultimate Raider Bar, and having Menudo for the first time, and being well hungover before the game on Sunday morning. But the key to the story is this. On that Sunday morning, as he wiped the hangover out of his eyes, Josh heard that one of the members of the Ventura County Raider Boosters Club had been involved in a very unfortunate incident the night before at a.m. p.m., an incident that left this man with a hole in his cheek. Where was that man come kickoff on Sunday? In his seat at the game. And that is just about all you need to know about the level of devotion, experienced, felt, and honored in Raiders fandom. Just win, baby. <laughs> and fans like Shelton Ray. said, what should I call you? He said, come on, I'm the IT guy here. And he's right, he is the IT guy here. Translation, our panic is Shelton's problem. And he solves those problems every single time, every single day. Shelton is a Raiders fan because he says that was the first football game I ever attended. It was against the Chargers. It was at the Coliseum. I looked up that game log, Shelton. There were 43,353 people in attendance at the LA Coliseum that day, and two of those people, you and your old man. Now, Shelton's father was actually a Rams fan, but took Shelton to this game. Shelton says, I don't remember how old I was, but it was single digits, he reckons, for sure. And for him, he remembers 
feeling that game more than watching it. He said there was an atmosphere that I had never felt before in my life. Joy and aggression and arrogance and anxiety and every moment punctuated by the call, Raiders. Final score of that game, Raiders 28, Chargers 9. He remembers that Tim Brown went off in that game. And he said what impressed me about Tim Brown is that he wore no gloves and he was catching everything. He was just different. And Shelton says that when you're different, that's what stands out for me. He also remembers James Jett, who, true to his name, was fast. After that game, Shelton started playing Madden, and he just couldn't escape, even in the gaming world, the connection to the silver and black. Then he says Jerry Rice came, and that's what made Shelton want to be a wide receiver. But his favorite ever player, Charles Woodson. Not the first time you heard that. Exciting to watch him defend players, Shelton says. Fast, in your face, no one could get past him. He says the perfect draft for my Raiders would be to pick up a middle linebacker. He says corner will be the focus. That's what everybody's focus seems to be. But Shelton says, I want a dog in the middle. Because in his estimation, if you have a good pass rush and a linebacking core, well, then the D-backs simply don't have as much work to do. As for his expectations of the 2023 season, Shelton says, I don't actually know what to expect. He says, I'm normally pretty excited, but this is the most worried I've been, the most concerned I've ever been as a Raiders fan. Why? He said, because there were more cons than pros coming out of last season. And that may be the case coming out of this one. And if that's the case, then he's not sure about the futures of Josh McDaniels, Devontae Adams, or Josh Jacobs in silver and black. He says Chandler Jones needs to give us our money's worth. He also says, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders don't hit replay on 2022 and go 6-11 and 11 again in 2023. But before he walked away from my desk, Shelton says, don't forget what it means to be a Raiders fan. It means you're tough. It means you're gritty. It means you have this family mob mentality. And the last thing he said with a twinkle in his eye and I believe a perceptible wink, he says, don't forget this about Raiders Nation. Even though we lose, we still act like we can't be touched. Raiders! And isn't that just it, listener? Even if we lose, we can't be touched. And you know what? I think he's absolutely right. I think that is perfectly put. I think for me, that is the best description of Raiders Nation I've ever heard. They can't be touched, not in my estimation, not by any fan base I have ever known for their deep, abiding loyalty. There are no fair weather fans in Raiders Nation. Yeah, you see a lot of Raiders gear in LA where I live, but this isn't about the hat. It's about the heart and you either have it or you don't. I want to thank today's very special guest, Mike Yam, and of course, all of the Raiders fans who shared their stories with us. Congratulations, Raiders Nation. You would say that every day belongs to you, but on the pod, today belongs to you. I want to invite the listener to join us tomorrow when our countdown to the draft, well, we don't have to go very far, just across the street to SoFi Stadium for one of the two tenants of SoFi Stadium, the LA Rams. 
Two years ago, they won the Super Bowl. Last year, let's not talk about last year. Let's talk about the future. What will they be in 2023? Have we written this team off too soon? Are they due for more of a dip or are they due for a dramatic comeback to the scene, to relevance, and yes, even the playoffs? Time will tell. That's the question. The answers come tomorrow. Till then, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.